So we're looking at, um, we've got uh, chapter 18 in Kenneth Bailey's book, which is, uh, which is about Luke chapter 7. So how, how many of you read the chapter? Partially. Okay, good. Then we, <laughs> that's good. We'll, uh, we'll have, there'll be a little bit of suspense there. It is long, and, the, and there's a lot of material in there, a lot packed in. I, I read it, I read it several times, and each time... Uh, there was more to get out of it. So, the, uh, the story is the woman in the house of Simon the Pharisee. If, you're in, if you have your book, it's uh, page 239, chapter 18. And the text is Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And I think maybe to, just to, to start things off, I'll just read the text. It's pretty short. And then we can uh, talk a little bit about your impressions of it as we go along. And I'm going to read from the ESV. So there'll, there'll be a lot to talk about, about what, about sort of the nuances of the, the, the wording and the language. But uh, this is from, from the ESV. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that, she, that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment." Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven." Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Is this a a familiar story? It's one you all recognize pretty well. You've heard it before. Okay. So I I think one of the helpful things to do as we look at the material that uh, we have in the book is to sort of begin with the impressions that we have of the text. Um, 
What, what strikes you about the text? What stands out to you? What do you how, would, how do you interpret it? Yeah, Marilyn. <laughs> I thought about when he said that he wasn't offered his feet to be washed and so on, and I thought, is that big, isn't that a big insult? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we don't, we don't see that right away at the beginning of the text. No, we, he no. walks in and reclines, and we think everything's going fine. And then at the end, Jesus says, well, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't give me any oil. You didn't give me a kiss. These are all, you know, important signs of hospitality. So did he come there? Did that, why did that Pharisee invite him? Was he trying to trap him like last week? This is, that's, that's fantastic. So, so think about that for a second. What, what is your impression of Simon based on Simon's actions and what Simon says? So Simon the Pharisee, here this is, confuses me. It's not Simon Peter. Uh-huh. Simon the Pharisee. What are your impressions of Simon based on what he says and what he does? Yes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so there's a, there's a sense in which we can imagine somebody who maybe is not friendly with Jesus, but who, you know, who knows about him, wants to know more, can invite him over for just a, a cordial, neutral meal. And that's, you know, that's definitely the impression you get right away. But then... Um, you find out that Simon had other intentions. So he deliberately didn't provide these signs of hospitality. He deliberately didn't give Jesus a kiss when he came in, which was a customary greeting, um, not unusual at all, of course. Um, he, didn't give, he didn't wash his feet. Uh, it's, Kenneth Bailey points out that, uh, that if, you're, if you're not clean, if your feet aren't clean, if you haven't been washed with oil, which which served as soap. Um, it was as common as soap is. So, you know, you go into a bathroom, you wash your hands with soap routinely. It was always oil. Olive oil was everywhere. Um, and so these things he didn't provide for Jesus um, deliberately. He left them out, right? I love how Jesus makes no mention of it. Yeah. And I only read partial, but the part where he assumed the role of the elder. Yep. Mm-hmm. But he brought it up first right. when the woman came in. So, you know, Jesus ignores the fact that he is being insulted, and then he just takes the position of the elder mm-hmm. and reclines uh, wherever, you know, at the table or wherever he's reclining. But yeah. So, so, you know, you think about uh, what, what kind of an impression that gives. If you, I mean, if you walk into a house where you're, maybe you don't get along great with the people who invited you over, but you're going out of, you know, out of obligation or something like that. And they, they don't give you, they don't extend the, the best hospitality. You walk in, what, what are you going to do? You're gonna, I mean, how are you going to behave in such a situation like that? You're, I mean, it's, it's, you're probably going to be a little bit, you know, laid back, try and be quiet and not raise any ruckus. But Jesus, you know, goes in and he, he takes what he deserves, you know. He takes the... He sits down right away, um, reclines at the table, and, and takes the position that he deserves, even though Simon isn't willing to give it to him. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, you, you, get, you, you get the impression that uh, Simon is expecting to control the situation. So when Jesus starts asking the questions, you know, Simon's starting to lose control. Um, so he has to, has to recover somehow, you know. Yeah. 
Right. And he didn't leave it at that. Yeah. He went on. Mm-hmm. So just in case you don't get the picture. Exactly. I'm gonna... You know, that's, that's, Jesus does that so often. He'll, he'll tell a parable. The Pharisees know that he's talking about them. And, they, and, and so they're irked already. But then he goes on to say, you know, by the way, if you don't get it, this applies to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, that's, the thing, that's the thing that strikes me about Jesus in this, par, in this lesson, is that he, he, he doesn't behave the way that we would behave if somebody was after us, you know? Um, he doesn't hold any punches. Right. It, I mean, it's, it's, in some sense, it's a, it's a, a blessing. Oh. And it, it's a, a, a customary way of... of uh, you know, making things clean, making things ready to enjoy the meal. So. Oh, you mean your face, maybe? Well, and, and, you know, his head and his hair and so forth. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, this is a good question, what, what exactly that looks like. But, uh, <laughs> Middle Eastern. Yeah, Middle Eastern custom. You know, you can take a look at this, this picture that I, there's yeah, a couple extras. Very good picture, because when you think about reclining at a table, I was trying to figure that out. Yeah. How did she get to his feet? So this, this, this uh, is from a Bible I, I don't know any much about the source. I found it on a on a, the website of Emory University. Um, it's a 16th century rendition, and it's it's I found I thought it was the best one I could find because for a couple of things, for it, it accurately depicts what it looks like when they're reclining at table. So there, this it's it's this set of three couches, you know, lined up in this U shape, and then there's a, a table in the center where the food is prepared, and so they they you know they sort of lie down on those couches to eat. Um, so there's a couple of things that this picture points out. First of all, you have, you have that basin in the bottom left corner there, which, which is where Jesus should have had his feet washed. But then the woman is, is the one washing his feet instead. Um, and you also notice, I mean, you mentioned Jesus came by himself, and I think this picture really does a good job of portraying it. You have Jesus there and the woman and then all of these guys sitting around the, the table, and most of them look pretty grumpy. Um, it, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine. Right, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but it's hard to imagine what the, what the mood was at that table. I mean, they all hated Jesus. They were out there to get him. He, was, he came. He accepted the invitation. He came, and he went straight to the table. Didn't, didn't even regard the fact that they didn't give him any hospitality, sat down at the table, um, and, they're, and they're like, they're waiting for an opportunity to get him. So it's just this massive tension. He, he sat down unclean. Right. I know it was very aggressive, but just like, you know, like, that was such a big no-no. Yeah. The Pharisees to, to eat with unclean hands or feet or whatever. Maybe, you know, this they is... They were feeding him intentionally unclean. Yeah, yeah. What you know? What what is he going to do if we don't? If he doesn't get to wash his hands? Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, almsgiving and and leaving the leftovers for for everybody else was a big part of of showing hospitality in general. So. Yeah, the, 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 it wasn't unusual for her to come in, but she wasn't one of the invited guests. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we've said, we've said a lot about 
Simon and his intentions and a little bit about Jesus. What about the woman? What what do you think about the woman? What strikes you about her? Penitent? Okay. Yeah, she's weeping. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's absolutely right. I mean, to, these men are not kind men, and she comes comes in, and so this is the this is the the punchline that um, that Kenneth Bailey really gets to that uh, these men didn't extend the hospitality to Jesus that any person deserves, and the woman comes in and she does it. She washes his feet, and uh, and does for Jesus what. The you know kisses his feet does for Jesus what the what the Pharisees didn't do, and so not only is she at the meal where she's not perhaps not welcome but she's she's sort of flipping the you know put, turning the world upside down by playing the role of the host. Yeah. Yeah, and and we 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 hear that uh, she knew that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house, so she you know she asked somebody, yeah, or she was watching right. Yeah. Yep. So she was going to do something a little extra just to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a very, very interesting thing. And we, yeah, we will, we'll get there. Well, there's a lot to say about that. Right. So, you know, so the, the, the important question is, um, or it's important to think about when she's coming and doing these things for Jesus, why is she doing them? Um, what does she have in mind? The, one common interpretation um, is that she came in order to try and earn, you know, try and try and get Jesus to forgive her. Um, she felt so bad for her sins, so she was going to beg him for forgiveness. Um, a little bit later, though, you know, and and what Jesus says sort of confuses the matter, because the way it comes out in our English translation, he says, oh, your sins are forgiven? Yeah, but she, okay, verse 47, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And there's there's two ways to read that. Um, One, you can say, her sins are forgiven because, on account of the fact that she loved much. So she gave all, they gave all these signs of her love, um, and so she deserves forgiveness. On the other hand, and this is the, the more accurate interpretation, her sins, are, which are many, are forgiven, and we know that because we can see the love that she shows. Um, and that's, you know, that corresponds to the parable that Jesus speaks. You know, who loves more, the one who's already forgiven 50 denarii or the one who's already forgiven 500? Um, this was this is a really important passage um, in the history of the Lutheran Church. The uh, at the time of the Reformation, it was one. This was one of the the proof passages that the Roman Catholic Church used to say, "See, you have to you have to love in order to be forgiven." Well, the Lutherans said, "Nope, you've got it, you've got it wrong. Um, you love because you're forgiven." I mean, it, it, it speaks to the role of faith in, in receiving the forgiveness of sin. So you can have a million dollars in your bank account, but if you don't believe it's there, it doesn't do you any good, right? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so this is that's a very, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, You know, in the Gospel of John, we have a very similar account. Um, if you look at John chapter 12. No, it's, you know, and I, this is an interesting question. Um, John chapter 12, at the very beginning, so Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. And uh, Jesus is in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So six days before the Passover, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. So there's the, you know, there's the similarity that she wiped his feet with her hair. Um, but the scene is very different. You know, it's not a house of, full of Pharisees. They're celebrating Lazarus' resurrection. So it's, it, that's an interesting thing to note, though, is that this scene with, in the house of Simon the Pharisee isn't the only time a woman has let down her hair and wiped Jesus' feet. Yeah. What does it mean, um, Andy, you said that uh, in the culture to let your hair be covered, is it shame? It, to be uncovered, is it to be shamed? Or? It's, uh, according to the rabbis, your hair is sexually provocative. So um, you, you keep your hair covered in order to avoid leading men into temptation. And it was, it was according to Kenneth Bailey, it was customary that then on a woman's wedding night, she would let down her hair for the first time to let her husband see her hair. So, this is a, this is a very interesting question. Is what the woman does sexually provocative? I mean, what do you think about that? She's a prostitute, so... Yeah. I mean, from a Pharisee's perspective, that would be their first inclination to think, you know... Right. Yeah. It certainly seems inappropriate. You know, is there a way that, um, I mean, it's really hard to read that and hard to sort of grapple with it, but is there a way we can understand what she did um, as being appropriate? Her Her husband, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting... um, so she, she, so she does this where she lets down her hair, but she, she does have, um, she does respect a certain boundary. For instance, she's at his feet. yeah, she's at his feet. Yeah, if you look at the picture, in order, you know, it's, it would, be, would have been more customary for her to anoint his head, but in order for him to anoint his head, she would have had to climb up on the couch there with him. And I mean, not, so she's already breaking some taboos by touching him, touching his feet. By letting down her hair, but she doesn't go to anoint his head. But the servants are the ones that wash the feet of the people that come in, not the master, usually. Okay. So, therefore, she is playing the role of a servant. That sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't know that. That's good, yeah. You can wash your feet yourself, or you can have a servant wash it, depending on... Okay. He wasn't even given water. I wonder why he wasn't given water if everybody else got water. It's sort of maybe I mean, the last one there. I don't know. I mean, if, if you're going to entrap somebody, you, you invite all your buddies first and then tell them to come 15 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 
Okay, good. Um, let's see, we just, you just covered about 80% of the things on my page. In the wrong order, though. So, let's see. There's a couple of things to think about. Uh, I, you know, I want to get back to her letting down her hair and, ki- and kissing Jesus' feet and, and whether or not this is uh, inappropriate. I, I, I really I wrestled with this for a while. Um, so suppose that she is, she's indicating that she's the bride of Christ. Um, you know, the, the, the figure of, of the church being the bride of Christ is in some ways symbolic. And the union between the bride and Christ, the, the bride, the church, and Christ is intimate, but not in the same way that human relations are intimate. But it seems like letting down her hair and kissing his feet is precisely that. It's this physical intimacy. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? So, so I, you know, what do we do with that? How, what, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, so there are a lot of, a lot of these things that are, that are sort of artificial, manufactured. I mean, is there something inherently, in, in something inherent about letting down your hair that indicates that you're married to somebody? Yeah, I think that that's an excellent, excellent point, yeah. Yeah, in, in, I mean, I was thinking about uh, an analogy to, to how we carry on in worship, too, even. Um, we come into, we come into the sanctuary and we, you know, we sing songs. People don't normally just get together and sing praises to somebody who doesn't seem to be around. It's, you know, in some sense that's inappropriate. We kneel on the floor. Um, we, we eat Jesus' body and blood. We do these things that, to the rest of the world, are pretty inappropriate, you know. But these are the things Jesus has given us to do. Um, but but the the point is that you know often this this loving that follows forgiveness it doesn't match what the world expects right so so the so Kenneth Bailey spends some time talking about this if if um, the woman was indeed forgiven how would the Pharisees expect her to show her thanks how ought she to show her thanks she should go to the temple and get a sacrifice yeah right that would be the the right way to do things. <laughs> she went to the temple. Yeah, I mean, what is she? Yeah, sacrifice of thanksgiving, right? Yeah. So, so she's confessing that Jesus is, in fact, God, the one who can forgive sins, did forgive sins. Um, yeah, and it's inappropriate. Doesn't 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 match what the Pharisees are expecting, or or even I mean what we would expect based on reading the scriptures. We say you know, where does God God dwell in the holy of holies? Right. Well, this is this is the whole thing that changes that that we, that we learn in the New Testament that Jesus is God. Yeah. So now the next question then is, um, how does how does Jesus react to? The woman's behavior. What's? How does he re- receive her actions? I was I was thinking about what you know what it's like when if somebody comes up to you and just thanks you profusely for something. Just 
an embarrassing kind of Thanksgiving. What, how do you react when somebody does that? It's okay. I, and, and why? Why do we do that? Why? <laughs> so you know, so there's this there's this embarrassment, you know, this embarrassment when somebody thanks you. Um, why are why do we get so embarrassed when people thank us? You feel yeah, you feel unworthy, isn't that? Is I mean, you on, at some level maybe you I mean you you did something for somebody, so sure, I deserve a little thanks. But at the same time, you know that. Uh, that it's probably not as good as they think it is, you know, <laughs> or or you you know you weren't fully responsible for it or whatever reason, you know. Um, even even people who even heroes who you know go and save somebody who's drowning, you know, like even then you're like you know, it's it's okay. It's, I just did what I was supposed to do. That kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Our motives aren't always pure. So then think about what how Jesus reacts to the Thanksgiving. I mean, he doesn't. He's worthy, right? Yeah, and to so to um, to people who are used to, in some sense, a, a sort of false humility, Jesus does the complete opposite. He's he's almost I mean to us he's, he he almost seems prideful, you know. He's just accepting thanks, the Thanksgiving. Well, he doesn't reject her, which would have been a bad thing for her. That's absolutely right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to he's not going to reject our Thanksgiving. And and it's, I mean, here is this, is this really personal, face-to-face kind of interaction, too. So, Jesus forgave this woman in particular. And, you know, if you think about Jesus forgiving the whole world, and everybody comes and says, thank you, it's like, it's like well, okay, so he doesn't really, he doesn't hear my voice. But this woman in particular is showing all of this thanksgiving, and Jesus accepts it, you know. Okay. Where are we? Um, now, wh- think about Simon, how Simon behaves. We hear, him, we hear his thoughts. If this man was really a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman this is, and he probably would do something different. He would, he would apologize for her. He would push her away. Um, so, what do you... Thinking about si- the way Simon is approaching the situation and what Simon had in mind from the beginning, sort of entrap Jesus... What would you, how would you expect Simon to behave once this woman comes in and starts acting this way? Outraged, yeah. Yeah. He, um, for one thing, she's showing this hospitality that they tried to deny Jesus. Um, she's behaving inappropriately. So, I mean, if I was a host and somebody walked in and was embarrassing my guests, you'd ask him to leave. You'd do something like that. Or... Or if, uh, if that guest happened to be somebody you wanted to be embarrassed, you might, you know, <laughs> play it up a little bit, right? Yeah. It's probably the same, the same way he felt when Jesus walked in and sat down right at the table. You know, you walk in and somebody denies you hospitality um, that, you, that is, like, culturally mandated. So everybody gets this, no matter who you are. You, I mean, he was hoping that Jesus would have done something, but Jesus, <laughs> Jesus didn't do anything, didn't give him any ammo for his, uh, you know, his um, entrapment. Yeah, so, so, you know, it really plays into Simon's hand, or Simon thinks it plays into his hand. Here Jesus is just, he's, uh, he's 
prolonging this situation where uh, things are getting worse and worse for him, but, but Jesus hasn't done anything yet. So um, Simon's, you know, <laughs> just sitting on the edge of his seat. Yeah, let's, let's get this. Come on, we got it. We got it. You know. Okay. Um, let's just for a second jump back to the parable that Jesus tells. We have the two debtors. Um, and I want you to think about how they are. This is, uh, I'm try, this is one of those questions where I'm asking you to guess what I'm thinking. So just um, how are they alike and how are they different? Or how are they different and how are they alike? Go in that order. One's in worse shape than the other. Right. Yeah, so not only are they both debtors, but what kind of debtors? They've defaulted on their loans, yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you owe, I mean, it doesn't matter how much you owe, they're still going to send the collection agency after you, right? We just... <laughs> that's right. We, we just had, we, we had internet service in, in Fort Wayne, and I had a, a device, a, a, a modem, that I thought they had given to me to keep and they wanted it back and so they uh, they kept on calling i was like no this is mine you gave it to me and uh so then they, finally they sent me a letter and said it's just a cheap little thing it's 20 bucks but they sent and they said okay we're sending the collection agency after you i was like okay now this is you know this is serious <laughs> but they do that even for you know just a small amount of debt and you, the the penalty is you know still the same right that's right, yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to make it worth their while. That kind of, so I sent it back to them. I said, okay, you win. That's fine. Um, so they're different in that they owe different amounts. They have different kind, amounts of Thanksgiving, but they're the same. Neither of them can pay. Um, and if you think about things in terms of percentages, you know, having zero out of $50 is the same as having zero out of $500. Um, also, they're the same because both of them are forgiven, right? And this, this is the, like we like was said earlier. Um, this is the point that Simon misses in the parable. Yes, the woman has been forgiven, but so has Simon. Right? He who, who thinks he owes less has been forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He'd probably be upset to to even have him, you know, have him himself compared to as a debtor. You know, it's like, no, I don't know anything. I do I do what I'm supposed to do. You know, um, I don't know anything. I've paid my debt. Right. Can you? Forgiven a little. Yes. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who's he, so you know who's Jesus speaking to here? Who's he's he's speaking to Simon? And what's what's Simon's frame of reference? I mean, what is how does Simon feel about himself? Yeah. Right. 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 So, so if Simon, as far as Simon's concerned, if he owes anything, it's very little. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, they saw themselves as sons of Abraham, which was 
which was what really mattered. And, and then they built up all of these traditions, and, and so they, they elevated themselves in, among men, you know, among sons of Abraham. Um, Right, right. I'm so, I'm so glad that I'm not like that guy. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, you know, it, Jesus often speaks in this, um, in this way which caters to the person to whom he's speaking. Um, so when Jesus says, basically says, okay, you've been forgiven little, but that means you only love a little. Or, or you love so little, which means you must have only been forgiven a little bit. Um, he's, he's speaking to the ears of, of Simon. It, um, we know that, uh, according to James, you know, James chapter 2, this is, the, this is a great place to turn uh, for this question. James chapter 2. Well, let's see here. Uh, verse 10. Verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Right, so in some sense, you can talk about failing to keep the you know failing to keep the law in one point, uh, and maybe maybe if you're trying to measure how well you keep the law, you'd be able to make a list like the Pharisees do. But the point that's that's made in James here is that um, every time you fail to keep the law, what it indicates is that your heart is in the wrong place, which means you you're, you've broken the whole law, you've you've broken the first commandment. Which is the whole law? They didn't. Yeah, they certainly believed that 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 uh, there was basically nothing a, a prostitute could do to to recover from committing that kind of a crime. You know, from committing that kind of a sin. Game was over for her. So now um, think think again about the parable. How's the time here? That clock is not right. We got we're running out of time here. So. Um, what, if, if, if the parable gives us these two kinds of debtors that represent people in the world, um, they, these people owe the lender something. What is it? So if the lender is God, what do we owe God? Doing, doing what he tells us to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obedience, right? Yeah. Um, the right. So it's this interesting, interesting um, way things work out. So we're not obedient. We owe God obedience, but we don't obey. He forgives us, and our response in love is obedience, which has been empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we can produce on our own. So, you know, obedience is the, is the original goal, but we, don't, we can't do it. Um, and it's also, it's also what comes out of, you know, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that really gets to the point of the whole, the whole lesson, um, if you think about the analogy of having a, having a bank account, if you have a million dollars in the bank account and you don't know it's there, it doesn't do any good. Also, if you think you already have, you know, $10 billion, then you're never going to, even if you know it's there, you're never going to go and use it, right? You don't care about it. Um, and, and so what, what Jesus teaches us is that, um, for one thing, 
we can't keep the law because we break it in our hearts. That's the Sermon on the Mount, um, where Jesus takes, you know, takes the law and says, okay, you think you're keeping it, you're really not. And that, that law um, doesn't leave anything left. It, it, uh, it kills us. It says, you've got nothing good in you. But, uh, but without that realization, we, can't, we, we certainly don't appreciate Jesus' forgiveness. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why we come to church and we say, Lord, have mercy, why we confess our sins. Because we run the risk if, we don't, if we're not confronted with, Jesus, with, with God's law, which condemns us. If we're not confronted with that, we run the risk of forgetting about the forgiveness or you know, uh, turning away from it, not, not claiming it as our own. Any questions or thoughts or comments? Well, I mean, eventually, some, many of the many of the Jews the, and the Jewish leaders did did believe in Jesus after he died and was raised. But yeah, it's all a fantastic example of it, right? Um, the but you know it in some sense. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You can say. You know, man, it was it was really rough on the Pharisees and almost unfair, it seems. Um, but the other the other way to look at it is that God's grace, you know, saves the, the people whom He saves. Um, he has He's loved, and so we're all in that same condition to begin with. We're all like the Pharisees, right? And it's by God's grace that any of us, um, you know, even if we've been raised in Christian homes. Even if we come to church regularly, we're we're sinners until we're baptized, you know, until we until we receive the Holy Spirit, and uh, um, and there's you know, so it's not it's not it's not really a product of the condition that you were in, but it's a product of whether whether you know God has called you. So they didn't understand their Jewish faith truthfully. He points that out. To yeah, them. absolutely. So it was they were the learned ones. They should have gotten it better than anybody else. And that's the great tragedy of. Of, uh, of the Old Testament, that the Jews had God's law, and what they did is they, they perverted it. They, they, they worshipped, worshipped idols in the temple, and they, they added traditions and, and followed those instead of following, following God's commandments. So I'll leave you with one thought. I really like this quotation that Kenneth Bailey has at the very end. He says, um, in reflecting on what Jesus, uh, how Jesus behaves, either Jesus is an outrageous egotist, accepting the thanksgiving and taking the place of the elder. Either he is the outrageous egotist or he is a unique agent of God who mediates forgiveness and is the appropriate one to whom a forgiven sinner offers thanks. Um, and I think that says a lot because, you know, no, no person could behave in the way Jesus does unless he was crazy or, or he was actually God, you know. Um, and that's we we really get that from this lesson here. All right. The, um, okay. Yeah. So, do, do you normally close with prayer or Lord's prayer? Let's play, uh, let's pray the Lord's prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Um, yeah, let's, go, let's just keep going with 19. I don't know who's going to be teaching next week. Um, but yeah, we'll go with 19. The parable of the widow and the judge.